The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. We have the Navy SEALs doing it.
companies do it. The government does it. Clubs do it. In fact, everybody does it to some degree or another. Some are more severe when they do it, more restrictive. What is it that they do? The Navy SEALs start off with 300 people or so, and they grind them down. They test them. They drop out. They go down to 100, go down to 70, and they end up with approximately 40 people who are the cream of the crop. And they believe. They live the life, what it takes to be a Navy SEAL. Same thing with the company. They go through CEOs. They go through employees. They go through people. They have to decide, we're not going to hire this person. Or on the other side of that, we need to get rid of this person. Either firing or let them resign. Let them leave. Why? For the health of the company. And this goes around, and it comes around, all the way down into sports. Many people apply. Many people want to be in the big football leagues, but not everybody makes it. This is the natural order. A deer, a buck, and the herd fights a younger one. When he gets old, he's knocked out. The same thing will happen when he gets old and he can't defeat the other. It increases the health and the strength of the herd. This is court in nature. It's a principle. Now you say, well, a biblical principle, what about the weak? Well, we take care of that. Who's going to take care of the weak? The strong are. If we make everyone like the weak, have no power above them because we have to come down to where they are, how are we going to help them? Strength has to be there. And the proverbial saying, their strength in numbers, is not completely accurate because 300 Navy SEALs who have not been tried is weak. The Gideon Army, 15,000 people, then down to 300 was the strength. So you have to have each one of those individuals with the might, with the strength, is what our lady is trying to do with us as apostles. And throughout Medjugorje's history, we've seen people come and go because they didn't stay there. They didn't make it through the trial. Conversion brings trial. And we can say, Renounce the name of Christ, as the sound is. One by one, they pledge their allegiance to Christ. But some didn't. And we've got a very, very weak church because we've got the application of everybody who wants to call themselves Catholic or Christian can be so, but they're not in the heart. And social norms are being pushed on us, which are so degraded, so vile, that has entered into the church and is compromised with it. The name of the read today is called Here's Satan's Simple Plan to Destroy Christianity in America. And it comes from a Matt Walsh, who is a Catholic blogger. He says that Satan has two battle plans of modes of attack that he uses throughout history to attack Christians. The first is the old school, blood and martyrs persecution. It's very simple, very straightforward. Kill the Christians. Satan is using this tactic on Christians who are being persecuted across the world on an unprecedented scale. Although the media and the church in the USA largely ignore it, the reality is that the ground all over the globe is soaked in Christian blood. A recent report tells us that 
Christian persecution and genocide is worse now than it's ever been in history, which is an astounding fact. But Satan is using a different tactic to attack Christians in America. After describing the martyrdom of a party of Egyptian Christian pilgrims by Islamic extremists, Walsh compared their heroism to the laziness of Christians in the United States. He said, these Christians were willing to give up everything for Christ. How many of us are willing to give up anything, let alone everything? Most of the so-called believers in this country will lash out angrily if you so much as suggest that they give up watching certain TV shows or listening to certain music. They'll explode in fury if you urge them to change their lifestyles to any degree whatsoever. And yet, we think we possess the conviction and the faith to just give up our lives for Christ. Let's face it, most of us would grovel and weep at the feet of our Muslim captors and recite whatever Quranic prayer they want us to recite. Therefore, to Satan, American Christians simply aren't worth killing. Walsh theorized, These Christians are so spiritually lazy and so comfortable with their sinful ways that they aren't any threat to Satan. And this is Satan's strategy for us, he warned. This is plan B and is far more effective. This is how the church has been subjugated in America. We have bent our knees in submission to the forces of evil, and they have not even fired a shot. Why would the demons waste their time tormenting someone who's already walking to hell of his own volition? Walsh said that the situation is being made even worse because the church in America has been infiltrated by its own enemies. Do what you want. Don't worry about sin. Let's be tolerant. Let's be welcoming. Let's be accepting. This is the message preached, not just by the media and Hollywood. It's preached from the pulpit. Faithful Christians who want to live according to Christ's teachings are alienated and disregarded by their shepherds. Satan himself speaks from the mouths of many priests and many pastors in this country, Walsh asserted, urging their flocks to conform with the culture, making the Orthodox feel silly or even bigoted for trying to rise above the standards of this world. When Christians do drag themselves to church, desperate for guidance, they are given nothing from most pulpits, Walsh said. He blames American Christian softness on having and fulfilling too many competing material desires. This prevents us from desiring God. He added that he was very frightened that when such Christians meet God face to face, many will be forced to admit that they do not want God, only themselves. To stop this from happening, Walsh recommended prayer first of all. Prayer changes us, making us desire the sacred more and the sinful less. You start to find that a lot of music you listen to, that a lot of shows that you watch, no longer appeal to you. You find that certain sins and temptations have less of a hold on you. That desire for God is kindled 
and we know it, and we start to feel it. And that's the crucial thing, for us to want the right thing. Because, Wash continued, I believe that the truth is, in the end, we will all be given exactly what we want. And that is a terrifying reality. The read stated, prayer changes things. You sin less when you pray. And that's the problem. We don't have enough prayer. And our puppets are weak. And actually, the words were just stated, nothing's coming from the puppets. I've said this for decades and been criticized for it. Why can't we be honest openly? Because it's a lie to say anything other than that. Father Ken Roberts was an incredible priest. He's still alive. He's in his 80s. And he would be booked for three years in advance. I actually started Caritas not for Medjugorje, but for promoting Catholicism. And I booked him and traveled with him. I knew him. He would pack the churches. Where does priest come from? He would give retreats that were unbelievable. Standing room only. He had a cancellation. I was able to bring him to Birmingham in May of 86. Protestants came. My customers in business came. People were pouring outside the doors. He was a great homilist and great explainer of things in religion. And he converted many Protestants and atheists to Catholicism. And so when all these allegations come up, they went after the famous because they were enemies against people who are jealous of what somebody gets too much of a following. And everything was disproven. But he was relegated back to a diocese and silenced. Even when everything was completely misproven that it was a lie, they never lifted the sanctions because other priests were jealous of him. If you speak truth and you're a priest, you're going to get knocked down because the devil controls the system and the bureaucracy of the church. People might say, you shouldn't venture in these things. I speak about this because it's truth. One headline about Pope Francis this week says, Pope's new condemnation of about abortion comes too late for Ireland's unborn. He was silent to avoid offending people, thinking that we could be more in communion that way. Bad tactics. What am I saying in regards to this? I'll explain further by a quote in regards to what happened February 18th, 2016. The Pope explained his reluctance to speak out in the heat of national political debates in 2016. We can all remember what was going on with Trump running for office, etc. On February 18th, 2016, on a papal plane returning from Mexico, the Pope was asked by an Italian reporter about the thin current debate in Italy's regarding legislation on abominable civil unions. The Pope replied, quote, The Pope doesn't get mixed up in Italian politics because the Pope is for everybody, and he cannot insert himself in the specific internal politics of a country. This is not the role for the Pope, comma, right? He's asking the question to the reporter. But strangely enough, on the same flight, the Pope felt it was okay to insert himself in American politics. And of course, this moment was in the time of the presidential primaries. And Pope Francis 
criticized Donald Trump. He said, quote, a person who only thinks about building walls wherever they may be and not building bridges is not Christian. That's pretty serious condemnation. And yet, on political issues such as global warming, the Pope has inserted himself there. And that's the national and international politics. He wrote a encyclical saying about the actions on climate change. And that timing of that encyclical is strange if you're not political, because it was just before the Paris Climate Accord deliberations. That could not be any more political. So now we see that they stay out of the politics. The Pope could have gone to Ireland and had 10 meetings in 10 days before the election and say, as Catholics, you have to do this. And if you vote for this, you are in mortal sin. And if you don't repent, you're excommunicated. Thin the people out like the Navy SEALs or like the companies when they look for a CEO, they'd come down to just only one or a board the same way. This is a principle that makes everything strong. We've said it over. How do you get a motivated team? You get rid of the unmotivated. How do you get a strong church? Get rid of the people who do not adhere to what the church and it means to be a Christian. Kick them out. This is where we need to go to. We have to. Another headline. Time to purge the church in Ireland of our cultural Catholicism. It says, this raises a serious question which needs to be addressed. It's talking about the bishops and how weak they were, how weak the Catholics were, how they're ministers of communion. They go vote for this thing to repeal the, the amendment in the Constitution of Ireland. And they're up there on the following Sunday in the pulpit and ministers of communion. They receive communion and nobody says nothing. And doing this, this article says, they will give Satan even more pleasure while delivering another wound to our Lord by receiving his body unworthily. So the article says, this raises a serious question which needs to be addressed urgently. Namely, if 64.4% of the Irish people drew a very clear line in the sand by voting for abortion on demand, is it time for the Catholic hierarchy of Ireland to similarly draw a line in the sand with regards to what it actually means to be Catholic? Will they do that? Not a chance. The clergy are so corrupt by silence. It's not just what they're saying. It's what they're not saying, not what they're doing. The Archbishop of Dublin had ignored the public scandal, and he thinks that the church needs to broaden its concept of pro-life and that this would make the message more appealing to everybody. So he wants to bring in issues of poverty, greenhouse gas, immigration, youth, crime, etc. As all co-equal. Did you get that? Co-equal with the deference of the unborn life of a child. He thinks that if we did this, there would be less resistance to the message and a greater conversion. You idiot. I'm talking to the person, not the position of Archbishop. You have an evil stance. You're whitewashed tombs. Why can't we be caustic in what we say? When Jesus himself was caustic to this kind of mentality, what do you think Jesus would say? Well, I'd like for you to adhere to 
what I teach and what I died for. You think Jesus is going to say that? He says, no, if you don't accept it, leave me. Get out. We talked about that last week. All the disciples left on the teaching of the Eucharist. And there's no gray area about abortion at all, or marriage at all. So Bishop Martin, he'll do anything to avoid confrontation. And it's a stupid position because taking any path that's ignoring a simple reality will lead to more greater conflicts. And that's where we are. We're in great conflict because we have not put the sand in the ground and say, you will not make it as a Navy SEAL if you can't pass this swimming test or if you can't hold your breath underwater for so long or you can't run every day to the lunchroom carrying your boat and you're stumbling. You're out. It's time to get people out. And if we don't, it's going to happen anyway. We should do it by our own volition or it's going to happen to us. That's what Isaiah is saying. Do it in the time of grace while you have time. Just this week in Canada, the top court rules that biblical Christian views are not part of diversity. What does that mean? Who went to court? They went to the Supreme Court. Trinity Western University. Law school. And what did they do? They ruled against them. Why? Because they want to have lawyers based in biblical law and following those trends. And brazenly, the Canadian Supreme Court said seven to two that you have to choose between biblical standards or accreditation. In other words, higher education is incompatible with Christianity. This is bad. This is evil. But it results in good because that university has to go on its own. They're getting squashed down. They're being purified. And so the culture itself is pushing us in this who's going to be standing. And we got the church itself, when it meets this resistance, just caves into it. And now Pope Francis now is condemning Ireland. What I said earlier, can you imagine, say, I'm coming to Ireland, I'm getting on my plane, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there 10 days before this election, and I want you to come out. We're going to pray. And he can say why he's there, talking to them. I'm telling you, if you don't go to the polls, or if you go to the polls and you vote for this, you're out of the church. And the only way you can get back out of it, if you confess, and don't think you can have presumption of confession, and say, well, I'll vote for it, and then I'll go confession. That's not forgiveness. You can't do it by presumption. And so we have this situation that just the Pope himself and his power is so powerful He could be doing these things, but he don't want to be meddling in politics unless it's climate change, socialist justice, and all these things. And so that's why the church is going to be reduced, has to be reduced, and we need to be acting on it now. A good bishop, if he's smart, cut your diocese in half. See who's going to go and let them come back. I was just with the priest in Mezzagoria. He's from Nigeria. Strong-voiced. Girl comes up to communion. Got her dress slid halfway up her thigh. He says to her, right down the communion line, you go home. You don't come to communion like this. Who's going to say that? But I can't say that. I might offend them. Offend them. You priests out there have to start standing up to show if you're going to make it as a Navy SEAL because it's culling time. You cull it. If you can do it with the cows, you can do it with the animals. You can do it with people. You can do it with souls that's astray. 
You know what happened? That girl came back to Mass next week. And she was modest. Why did she come for a whole year or five years or ten years like that? Except the priests allowed that to happen. Because they don't want to offend someone. They're on a path of avoidance, any conflict at all. Stupidly thinking, because they're not praying enough, because prayer would give you the answer, that it actually increases the number when you decrease. We've covered this in Medjugorje that was played that I talked to a group a couple of weeks ago. To be strong, be small. And that priest telling this woman crushed her, offended her, and if she left the church for it, good for that. But she didn't leave the church. She realized I wanted to come to church, and now she's changed, and she'll never forget it. We've jumped out of the pews in our church when we see somebody coming back from communion that was chewing gum when they received it in the mouth. Get that gum out of your mouth. You say, oh, how harsh, how mean. You are biblically illiterate. If you haven't seen all those scenes of Jesus and how severe he was, because of love, that we can stand up in our pew, step in line, and tell people, you are not going to the Eucharist chewing that gum without committing blasphemy. They may not like it. Somebody in the pews watching you say, oh, how ugly they are. Who's ugly? That's not loving Jesus. That's not respecting Jesus. And you're not sitting in the pew respecting Jesus if you think that. What kind of Christian are you? I just talked to somebody who said, well, I had to quit listening to Radio Wave and your shows. I said, why? She said, because it scares me. If that scares you, what I'm telling you about what's coming and what's happening now, you're going to be scared out of your clothes when in reality everything does come into being. So that's what our lady's here for, to give truth. And it is causing division. And people are saying all oh, the division of a nation. And here it is, this university gets this ruling saying you can't have biblical standards and accreditation. You're going to have to pick one or the other. But you see what they're doing? You see how smart Satan is? He's culling out the universities by forcing them to go one way or the other, which makes their side stronger for abominable life, abortion, by lessening the attorneys that will be able to advocate against that. So Satan has the same principle I'm talking about. He's culling out all the lawyers that would be protected that so there's no lawyers left. This is a ruling from all of Canada, the whole country. So this principle of culling out your enemy is inside your church. And actually, if you got that quote right there, didn't he say that? Your enemy's inside the church. Walsh said that the situation is being made even worse because the church in America has been infiltrated by its own enemies. That is our problem. Our greatest enemy is in the church, even in the pulpit. Yes, Christ chose them. You pray for them. You love them. But what they're doing, we don't have to. And we can object to that. And no voices out there are doing that. But I'm starting to hear people start saying this, just like Wash. We've been doing this for 25 years saying it. Because we saw it coming, because we saw it in the message. So it's time to get rid of people. Through offending them, tell them to leave the church, Whatever you have to do. And actually, I wish the Vatican would start getting rid of the bishops. 
the priest. Pull them out of their positions until they stand up. But that's not going to happen because the church itself is going to be reduced to what happened in Ireland a few weeks ago, we quoted, that in 1997 was 70% churchgoers, which now is only 17%. But that's good because those people need to go down to 10% because it was a few Christians who took over the Roman Empire completely by the strength of what they lived. Who wants to be a Catholic now? doesn't mean anything. We've had people, again, going into politics and saying, we're talking about politics, when I just gave you a perfect example of what's happening in the church. Let's don't say nothing. Let's don't offend nobody. Right at the top of the church. And the condemnation of Trump who some Medjugorje people and people out there believe is no better than a pagan. But if we had more pagans like Trump, the church would start flourishing. How can I say that? There was a black guy who was a nobody, who robbed a bank, just a thug. He got caught. He goes to prison. And he was so bad, I assume, that part of it, that they had to put him in solitary confinement. The quietness allowed him to begin hearing God through Christian radio. He went through a conversion experience, became a model prisoner. The FBI agent who arrested him came to him and said he'd been praying for him. He felt like that God's calling you to prayer and conversion. Now, you go into a bank, you got a gun, you go rob it, and if you had a vision right there and say, I'm robbing this bank, and I'm going to be with the future president of the United States of America and be praised. You can't understand prophecy. We're going to play a clip where he was called to the White House and lifted up the normal thug out there. What can happen when you're put in a position that you're so lost, God can find you. And when your leadership is in tune with that, and where do we see this? The bishops should be doing this every, every Sunday at the cathedral. Do they do that? No, because they're not thinking. They're not reflecting. They want to go all to the wrong issues. So listen to Donald Trump, why this prisoner is standing next to him. John was in and out of jail for years until at age 38. He was arrested for bank robbery. You don't look like a bank robber, John. <laughs> it's come a long way. John soon ended up in federal prison, relegated to solitary confinement. That's where God found him. John began to read the Bible and listen to Christian radio. One morning at 2 a.m., he woke up to the voice of the great Billy Graham. Reverend Graham's words came through the airwaves. Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. That night, John dedicated his life to Christ. He spent the rest of his time in prison praying, studying the Bible, and bringing the Lord to his fellow inmates. The day after John's release, a visitor knocked on his door. It was the man who put him in jail. FBI Special Agent Richard Beasley. Who's here? Richard? 
I want you to know that I've been praying for you very strongly. He said that God called me to the FBI in part because of you, John. The two are now lifelong friends. John runs a ministry that has helped more than 2,000 former inmates rejoin society, and he's the talk of the country. The job John does is incredible. John and Richard, you are a living testament to the power of prayer. Your story reminds us that prayer changes hearts and transforms lives. It uplifts the soul, inspires action, and unites us all as one nation under God. So important. And we say it here, you know? A lot of people, they don't say it. But you know what? They're starting to say it more, just like we're starting to say Merry Christmas when that day comes around. You notice the big difference between now and two or three years ago? It was, Paula, it was going in the other direction rapidly, right? Now it's straight up. Our country was founded on prayer. Our communities are sustained by prayer. And our nation will be renewed by hard work, a lot of intelligence, and prayer. Today we gather to remember this truth. We thank God for the faith of our people. We praise God for the blessings of freedom. And we ask God to forever bless this magnificent land that we all love so much. America, thank you. God bless you, and God bless the United States. Thank you, everybody. So let's bring in more pagans if you think he's a pagan, Trump. I think that sounds pretty good. And this is a daily event. This is how his mentality is. And it's the sinners who need prayer. And prayer is everything. And the more someone prays, the less they'll sin. And we see this improvement in our presidency. We see it in people who go through conversion in Medjugorje. But we don't see it in the pulpit because of the lockdown in the theology and techniques. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have our meetings and our bishop conferences. And no fruit is coming from the pulpits or from those offices. Yes, pray for them because Christ chose them. But all the more, remember our lady said, pray for your shepherds that they may have the strength and the love to be bridges of salvation. Beautiful negative statement because we wouldn't have to pray for them if they had the strength. Are the love, are being bridges, given salvation? That's what our lady is saying. Otherwise, it's like what a priest told me a long time ago in Medjugorje. Our lady is here, not because we're healthy, not because we love and we have strength and we have built bridges to salvation. It's the fact that we don't have what we need. And our lady is coming here because the world is sick, which is dominated by Christianity for centuries which is interpreted that the church is sick, making its members sick. So how do you start and make a big Christian team out there work? Get rid of that big team and the numbers and get smaller and see who's going to be the all-stars. And that's what our A's calling us. And it starts with an A, 
not all stars, but apostles. Be apostles of my love. This is a serious call. You have to stop what you're doing. Stop your life, where you're going with it, how you're doing it. Don't stay on the same path. You have to change now, and you can't change with that prayer. As our president said, what we would be hoping that our pope would be saying, because one's words, one's actions. Well, friend, the Medjugorje has been too critical. Show me. Show me where I'm wrong. Prove it to me, and I'll change, because I love being Catholic. I love my church. I'll never betray it. But I won't accept what I hear of those voices, especially when our lady says, do not believe lying voices that is in politics and saying things that is not in accord with Christianity. Oh, it's soft. You may not be able to solidly say that's wrong, but it's a neutrality. It's where Satan wants it to be. Let's broaden pro-life for immigrants, for the poor. Let's water it down so we get more people accepted. We don't want more numbers. We want less numbers. If there's any message you get from me today, that's where it needs to be. Cut the churches down. Make Christianity be something in your life where people want to join with you by what they see. You may be the only Bible, as Gandhi said, they may ever see. And so with these words, and with the power of the messages, we wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Mechigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.